The Kern Institute Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Medical Education Matters. I'm Michael Brown. Today we have an exciting conversation to bring you from Dr. Devarati Sham, Program Manager at the Kern Institute, talking again about our MedMoth storytelling program. Today, Devarati speaks with Dr. Cassie Ferguson. That's the first interview that you'll hear. And then she speaks with Dr. Bruce Campbell. Both of them have been involved in bringing the MedMoth program to life, and it's fun to hear them reflect on the progress of the program as well as the benefits that it offers to participants. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, I'm a staff member of the Kern Institute for the Transformation of Medical Education. Today we are going to talk about the storytelling program in MCW, led by medical students and inspired by the MOTH. For those of you that are not familiar with it, the MOTH is a nonprofit group started in 1997 and is dedicated to the craft of storytelling. The MOTH Radio Hour that many of you may have listened to started in 2009, and it now airs on more than 500 stations across the country. Um, we have a guest today uh, who have had a long involvement with the storytelling program, Dr. Cassie Ferguson, um, the faculty member who has been connected with the program from its very beginning, I believe. Um, Dr. Ferguson, thank you for spending some time with us today. Would you start by um, introducing yourself to our listeners and tell us how and when you um, started with this program? What role did you play to get it off the ground? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm Cassie Ferguson. I am a faculty member at the Medical College of Wisconsin and an alumna, graduate in uh, from class of 2004. Mm -hmm. I've been a faculty member at MCW for 13 years and played many roles. Um, most recently, I am an associate professor in the Department of Pediatrics, uh, section of emergency medicine. So I practice clinically at Children's Wisconsin in the emergency department there. Um, and I have been the associate director of the Kern Institute since uh, 2021. Mm -hmm. And um, but I've been involved in the Kern Institute almost since its inception. So as far as MedMoth, um, I actually got the idea to do a storytelling event from an emergency medicine program director who I met when I was at the D school or the design school out at Stanford University about five years ago. So we were we were taking on a course called teaching and learning in medicine. And so there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of people involved with medical education and we were learning human centered design and how to apply that to, um, to how we taught. He had been holding a similar event with his residents, his emergency medicine residents for a year or so. And he was trying to work it out and, um, work out the kinks, but it reminded me a lot of the Moth Radio Hour, which is something that I'd always loved listening to on NPR. So I brought this idea back 
to MCW and spoke to several students in the Physicians for the Arts interest group, which is one of the uh, many interest groups that the students have at MCW. Um, and after talking with a bunch of people, it was Scott Lamb, who is mm -hmm. now a um, resident in otolaryngology, mm -hmm. who really embraced it um, mm -hmm. and, and put in the work to help it take off. Which year was that? Oh gosh, it was probably it was probably twenty nineteen. So it was because it was really the year before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything is in relationship to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, getting Bruce Campbell involved was a no brainer because mm -hmm. uh, Bruce has always been a champion of narrative medicine and of storytelling and writing. And so when I uh, emailed him and reached out to ask him if he would be involved, he said yes immediately. And for that first year, actually probably for the first two years, it was uh, Bruce who led the workshops for the students who wanted to tell their story or or even who just wanted to, to learn about how to tell the story. Um, and so that's, that's how it took off. Can we spend a little time talking about um, storytelling? Why is storytelling important for medical education? What is mm. narrative medicine? And give us um, a broader perspective of why storytelling is something medical students should be interested in, or should they? Mm. Well, to the last question, listening to stories is our job. Um, it is the heart of medicine. It's, you know, we talk about, you know, taking a history uh, is the first skill, the first clinical skill that students are asked to learn. And even though it's introduced in the very first year of medical school, it takes, I'd say, a lifetime to really master. Um, and I think in learning how to tell stories um, and crafting your own story, it really helps you to tune into other people's stories and be able to sometimes even see yourself in their story, which is which is really the the birthplace of empathy and compassion is being able to witness somebody else's suffering, somebody else's pain, somebody else's joy, and to um, and to be inspired by it, either inspired to help, inspired to you know lean in and um, and and really have compassion for what that person has been through. And so this, this idea that we um, learn how to tell stories and learn how to listen, I've always thought is absolutely essential to medical education. And in my own, you know, my own experience, storytelling is how I connect with students. A long time ago, I went to I mean, this was probably 10 years ago, I went to the Institute for Healthcare Improvements National Forum, which they have every year in December in Orlando. And um, Chip and Dan Keith are um, authors and they wrote a book called Switch. 
and the, they they presented that book at this national forum and what they talked about was that you know we have sort of two sides of our brain there's this there's the um you know the more emotional side and then there's our more practical side mm-hmm. and while we rely on our practical side a lot in medicine it's really our emotional side that makes a lot of our decisions for us. And so learning how to harness that, learning how to tell a story in a way that engages the listener's emotions, Mm. it's really how you're going to inspire them to change. And that's what learning is, is inspiring students to change. And so when I teach, I always use stories just for that reason, whether I'm teaching about quality improvement and health system science or, or well-being where perhaps mm-hmm. it fits better, no matter what I mm-hmm. teach through storytelling. And the other half of that is that I learn about students through listening to their stories, listening, you know, again, we listen to our patient, but I think as medical educators, we, we could really learn a lot by leaning in to our students' stories. Right, right. I'm hearing that how storytelling as a craft or an art also shapes the way a student approaches caring for the patient or has the potential to do that. I mean, and that's a key thing in medical education, the way you relate to your patients. Oh, absolutely. And there's good science to back this up. I mean, they're, they've done functional MRI studies that sh- that demonstrate that when we're listening to somebody else's story, our brain activity actually begins to synchronize with the brain activity of the storyteller. And so the greater our understanding or our comprehension of what that person is telling, the more closely the brain wave patterns mirror theirs. That is, is fascinating. Just, fascinating. fascinating. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And the areas of our brain that are involved in the processing of emotions, um, you know, the, that arise from sounds, right? That, that they're activated by listening, right? And particularly during the more emotional parts of people's stories, those you can see those parts of the brain um, becoming more active. So, you know, in Kern Institute, um, we talk a lot about character strengths and different kinds of character strengths we want to promote. Um, What kind of character strengths do you see being um, promoted through storytelling? Or is there any particular one that is more salient than the others? Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about this question and I think I think any of the character strengths can be strengthened by telling stories and listening to stories because I think based on what our character strengths are we will listen with that perspective um you know I think that my my top character strength is always, no matter how many times I take the VIA character strength surveys, my top character strength is always love. And I think that that every time I listen to a story, when I tell stories myself, 
I lean into that character strength. Um, and I could imagine if a student's character strength was justice, for example, when they hear a story, I feel like it would activate that right. character strength even more. Um, you know, certainly being quiet and still enough to hear somebody else's story and really reflect on what it means about that person, what it means about your relationship with that person. I think there's real power in that, in pausing and being still and having that sort of quiet space to do that in. And I think that's something, well, it's not necessarily a character strength. It allows for the growth of any of those character strengths. Anytime that you pause and get still, it allows for um, just really greater development of any of them. And right. so I think that right. space is important. I mean, if you think of storytelling as a basic need and a basic fact of human interaction, I mean, outside of medicine or any field of study, it's the way we communicate, we like to communicate. This is sort of very instinctive, deeply ingrained in um, our DNAs or what it be means to be a human. Human mm -hmm. beings tell stories. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for, since we've been since we've been humans. Exactly, been exactly. Defines us as humans, absolutely. essentially. Mm -hmm. Um. Can you tell us, or are you aware of, I know narrative medicine as a field has really um, gathered a lot of momentum in the last few years. I think it is now recognized that it is an important part. Um, it is an important educational tool. This helps um, the field of medical education in a number of ways, like you said. Um, do you know of other narrative medicine programs in other universities or medical schools uh, across the country that you would say, you know, they're doing a phenomenal job in uh, incorporating this in medical education? You know, I, I know of other universities that have very similar um, programs to MedMoth. Um, actually, there is another university, I believe it's University of Michigan, that also holds a, what, mm -hmm. an event that they call MedMoth as well. Um, what, I, what I see as being, um, you know, there are other sort of, I, I feel like, trends around storytelling and narrative medicine and podcasts have really helped it to take off. Mm -hmm. So there's a podcast called The Nocturnist which is, um, was created and is hosted by a physician named Emily Silverman. And this podcast is all about sharing the stories of physicians, the physicians telling their stories themselves, really to help us get in touch with our humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and they host live events and they help before the clinicians go on stage, they actually help clinicians develop their story um, for the stage and then often will interview those clinicians afterward. Um, and it's it's been just incredible to listen to that podcast. It's been it's been around since 2000, 
nine, I believe. Oh no, it hasn't been around for that long. Um, it's been around for about, I'm going to say five or six years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they just listening to the, um, to all the different clinicians tell their stories. You, as a clinician, I can see myself in the stories and I've gained such an incredible insight into my own well-being and how um, how I might use reflection um, to again get in touch with your humanity and and remember why it is I went into medicine in the first place, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. which was to connect with other people and and to help. Um, so that was been I, I think that really uh, exemplifies how narrative medicine has has entered into into that you know or I should say how narrative and storytelling has entered into medicine Mm -hmm. and there's just been so many books which are MCW common read um, Mm. you know exemplify there's been so many books where clinicians are are writing about their stories Mm -hmm. um and I think all of us who've participated in that and gotten to read these stories and then discuss them aloud with one another have you know, really gained a tremendous amount. Um, and then there's just the academic medicine um, and med Twitter <laughs> hashtags uh, <laughs> are, are very much steeped in storytelling and you know if you go on twitter and follow some of the um the clinician storytellers there you can see it um very much um, attracting people to to tell their stories and and helping inspire them to tell their stories as well so right right um dr ferguson you work with a lot of students and i'm wondering um if you are able to identify um, individuals who will make great storytellers. (laughs) Is it a skill or is it something innate? Um, uh, How do you, or rather the question should be, how do you nudge students to get into the realm and experience and experiment with their own storytelling? You know, one of the things that happens when you apply to medical school is that you begin to see yourself as very average. <laughs> um, it's an unfortunate byproduct of the system in the sense that you're taking mm-hmm. the, the brightest, most um, experienced, most engaged really intelligent students from all over the country, all over the world, and you're selecting, you know, the best and the brightest from that group of students. And then you arrive on campus and you look around Mm -hmm. and forever you've been, you know, you've been the shining star for wherever you were. And all of a sudden you are one of many shining stars. And Mm -hmm. that is difficult and I feel like students then don't don't want to share their story. They're not sure that it's special enough or mm-hmm. unique enough or different enough. And I feel like that 
silences a lot of our students. And I think even just, um, even just asking, you know, tell me about how you got here. Tell me about your path to medical school. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and then, and really honoring what they tell you and helping to create that space for students to recognize that they really are unique and they, you know, they really do have an important story to tell. They really can contribute to this community and um, in, a, in a real way that would help other people. And so I think it's just, it's just really starts with asking them um, and, and that um, hopefully is what will nudge them in the direction of, of sharing their story more broadly. And we have a, been very fortunate to have a very dynamic, active group of students who have kept coming back and making the program grow. So I can't Absolutely. thank them enough for making this possible. So mm -hmm. thank you, Dr. Ferguson, for your time sure. today. Um, we shall thank end you. here then. Yes, thank you again. Um, hello, uh, I have another faculty member here today who has also been part of the MOP um, program, the MedMOP program in MCW for a long time, Dr. Bruce Campbell. Even outside of MedMOP, he has a great deal of interest in narrative medicine and has done a lot of work in this field. Um, welcome, Dr. Campbell. And um, would you start by introducing yourself with your, uh, with our listeners and telling them a little bit about your background and how you, how you get started with MedMOP? Sure. Thank you. I, um, so I'm, I trained in uh, otolaryngology or ear, nose and throat surgery and did a fellowship in cancer surgery. Uh, and then came, I, I'd done my residency at MCW and my fellowship at MD Anderson. And I came back to MCW in 1987. Yeah. So before um, pretty much all of our performers in Medmoth were born, uh, but I've been on the faculty since then. And it's, uh, um, I started writing stories um, very early in my career, just because I found it to be um, very helpful to me to process what I was seeing, taking care of people who were dying. And, uh, um, and, uh, and it was also a way that I was able to communicate with others. And I, I was had a blog, on the hospital website and did some essay writing and people really seem to connect with that. And I, so I got the reinforcement of people reading what I was doing, but also just the fact that it made a big difference in my own life. I think in, the, mm -hmm. um, you know, people talk about, you know, uh, burnout and things like that. It was before, before we knew what burnout was, I guess, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think the moral injury of, of some of the things that we do or was very hard for me, but I think writing helped me to sort through some of those issues and, um, so when I had this this opportunity, um, one of the, the students contacted us uh, back in, and uh, she they were in contact really way back in uh, mid 2018, and uh, we, we had we've had this will be our seventh MedMoth mm -hmm. um, performance coming up pretty soon, and it really all stems right back to the interest that Scott had as someone who had had a background in musical theater, and in uh, 
uh, performance and uh, was a sort of a gifted storyteller himself and had the, the ability to bring other people into the fold with his enthusiasm and interest. And it it uh, took off from there. And it's he uh, developed the, the nice groundwork, the what we needed for an infrastructure to keep it going. And uh, with uh, Dr. Ferguson's uh, outstanding leadership and you and other folks in the current institute uh, staff who've uh, helped with funding and logistics and uh, everything down to uh, the treats that we serve and the lights <laughs> that we hang. I mean, my gosh, it's just been such a delight yeah. to be part of this. So I stand back. I don't feel like I do all that much, uh, but I do kind of help. You, the, you do a great deal, Dr. Well, Campbell. You do a great deal. You've been an absolute pillar for this <laughs> program. Fun. Yeah, but, but thanks. But it, it's been great. And I've, I've loved it. And I I get, like I say, I get more out of it than, um, you know, than I put into it. And, I, and we all do. I think it's just it's that kind of experience. Right. I know um, you've done this in the past and you're going to do it um, this month once again. You do a kind of a pre-storytelling rehearsal slash prep workshop with the potential um, storytellers. Would you tell our listeners what it is and what you do and how does that help the program? Yeah, so it's... um... I modify what I I do. I writing workshops with students and residents as well, but what I I spin it really to be more of a um, to, to talk about storytelling itself. So first, we talk about the difference between stories and anecdotes because I think a lot of people come into this thinking, "Well, I'm going to talk about an interesting thing that happened to me," which is great, but really it's not always a story. So you know, we talk about stories have a beginning and a middle and an end, and there's stakes involved and there's often some sort of conflict and it helped this the the storytellers couch themselves as either like a heroine or a hero that uh, has to overcome an obstacle somehow and reach a goal and and return from a journey this is this is odysseus this is the iliad except it's done in five minutes and it's done you know in in brookfield or you know (laughs) milwaukee so so we try to talk about really what a story is and then um, a lot of times they will come with an idea of what they want to talk about. And they'll say, great, you know, let's 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 uh, read a great story. Uh, we'll have a story that we we go over. We'll and we'll have people do some writing uh, to prompts uh, and to try and see you know, maybe the story that they brought along is a great one. Maybe they want to switch to something else that, that we try and develop during that. And then wrap it up by having them break into smaller groups and say, your story's not ready for prime time yet, but let's see what happens if you try and pitch it to um, your friend or a neighbor or somebody else and and just start that process of hearing your own voice, finding out, you know, how inflection works, how um, pauses are are put in to make stories more effective and, and just some of the, the performance aspects of it as well. So and then also reminding people that five minutes is really the a really long time or a really short time but it's the time that we're gonna you know let people be up on stage because nothing worse than having to yank someone off about a quarter of the way through right right it's frustrating for the audience too yeah we we, we've had that happen once or twice not often but most often students are and people who tell stories are just wonderful about preparation so it's been a lot of fun right right um can we um shift gears and talk a little bit about narrative medicine um please help us understand why should we be interested in storytelling as medical educators why is this at all um, relevant for medical education i'd love to talk about so narrative medicine um has a lot of meanings but the way that 
I talk about it is really as a discipline that was defined by Rita Sharon and her colleagues at Columbia University in New York, mm -hmm. where narrative medicine sits at the junction between medicine and, and literature. Mm -hmm. um, and the process is to help uh, students understand that um, you know, we've been reading stories since we were kids. We were Harry Potter or unless yes. my generation, but you know, those are the kind of stories that we become engaged with as kids. And we pay attention to those stories. We learn to tell the story to others and we are changed by having read them. And the whole point is, look, if we can get that engaged with a piece of fiction, why can't we train ourselves to be that engaged with the human being who is suffering and sitting right in front of us? Uh, we have too much. I mean, we all talk about the hidden curriculum in medicine where students are learned very early on. I mean, it, it happens almost immediately when they start medical school that I have to be careful not to get too emotionally attached to this patient because all of the damage that that will do and it won't make me an objective caregiver. And we don't know where that comes from, but everybody believes it. So the idea of narrative medicine is to say, look, that is not the premise to start with. The premise to start with is this is a person who's suffering. It's my job to stick with them and fix, you know, to help any way I can. And even if I can't fix it, to stick with the person and accompany them on their journey. It's a, it's the difference between modern medicine and postmodern thought. And we try and help students understand that our job is not to fix stuff. Our job is to heal. And that's where narrative medicine is really good at, at sorting that out. And, uh, uh, so as that becomes part of everyone's vocabulary, um, you know, we, we will have made a, a, a leap forward, both for the patient's well-being, mm -hmm. but also for the provider's well-being as well. Mm -hmm. Because if if we can teach ourselves, look, I it, death is not failure. Mm -hmm. Death is inevitable, right? So right. if every right. every interaction we have um, uh, that ends in death, the the student or the resident takes it as a personal failure mm -hmm. we, we we do moral damage to ourselves so right. as, as moral agents we are actually our job is not to deny what is reality we don't we can't deny death death is there we have to but but suffering doesn't have to be or doesn't have to be as bad and that's something we can help with i'm i'm hearing you say that um this aspect of their training can enhance the way they care for patients um, deal with death and suffering, which are just inevitable part of practicing medicine. You can't escape that. And no. storytelling and the the act of storytelling uh, has a role to play in making our learners and students better at dealing with this aspect. I, I think you're right. I, I think not only does it help the person who tells the story, but it helps the person who listens to the story. And I think that's why we find these events to be so intriguing to uh, to sit and listen as right. uh, students and residents go through this. Right, right. And, you know, from what I remember from the few events that I've heard, a lot of the stories are about um, their failures or where they have been vulnerable, where they've made a huge mistake. Um, yeah. And it's sort of saying things that we normally wouldn't say. <laughs> Those most it, of the stories are of that um, nature, from what right. I recall. No, I, I agree with you. And it's um, you know when we started this project back, you know when we had our first one back in uh, October of 2019, I thought, 
we're going to have to figure this out because HIPAA, you know, violations are rampant if people start getting up and telling stories. And there was not a single story that really related to a patient care or patient information violation. I mean, there were some general references to patient care, but there was nothing that would have ever been interpreted as as a, as privacy. And so, and that really has been pretty much this all the way through. We've seen that. So I agree that with you completely that we are talking about our own vulnerability and failures and foibles and places where we've um, had breakthroughs of our own that we hope can be used as a way to help others. Uh, much more than saying, um, you know, stories about individual patients. We we would not, and we wouldn't be, a, we don't have a problem with people telling stories about individual patients, but we, they have to be done in a way that's HIPAA compliant or with the direct uh, permission of the individual. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're prepared for that, but it's not been really as big we a part should, of what we do yeah. as we thought it would be. Right. Dr. Campbell, what are the types of um, storytelling uh, things do you see around the country in med schools, in medical education? Because yeah. I know that this field is growing and more and pe more people are recognizing the value of this. Yeah, I it, I don't know of any sort of national clearinghouse of the information, but I've run across uh, some great experiences. I know that um, all of the residencies, and I think there's seven different programs in Minneapolis area, have gotten together on more than one occasion to um, tell stories, and and they'll have 250 people show up to hear these stories, and they are carefully rehearsed. It's it's run through um, um, there's a center at the University of Minnesota. Some people doing some terrific work in narrative in the medical humanities there, but it's 250 people. That's a big it's event. Showing it's a big event. Actually, um, yeah, they 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 do food, and it's it's held in a held in a brewery, and it's mm. been a really successful thing. But yeah, so it's a big, big experience. Um, um, the Kaiser uh, Medical School in uh, uh, that uh, we had a, one of the people that came to the KNN conference recently, uh, mm -hmm. Deepu Gowda is uh, one of the deans there. They do monthly storytelling events on campus uh, based on thematic stories. Um, I've, I know that there are other programs in, on the West Coast that I've heard of and you know, I think actually I got contacted by our folks at, um, at MCW Central Wisconsin that we're planning to do a, an event a couple of years ago as well. So these aren't hard really to mount um, mm -hmm. and they have great benefit. And I think from people that I've talked to other places, the they walk out of one of those experiences. And the first thing people talk about is, when are we going to do this again? You know, how right. can we how can we do this? Because it's so important and interesting and valuable. Right. Right. I mean, right now in MCW, we have it once a semester. Yes. But uh, maybe this is something our student planning team could consider. I know it's a lot of work for them to do it a is. monthly event, but uh, it would be wonderful. Like, just like a walk-in storytelling thing, not too formal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it'd obviously be a commitment, but I, and commitment for the students and for the administration to block right. out time and space and, and uh, resources. But you know, maybe that's something that happens in the future. Right, right. Um, Dr. Campbell, I know you've also worked with a lot of medical students in your career. Do you see um, students who have changed in the arc of their development based on their uh, participation in stories, their ability to tell stories, develop this as a trait? Um, that's a great question. I think... Uh, what I will point to is that um, I think a lot of students come into medical school 
from backgrounds where they have had, um, you know, liberal arts educations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thinking that that's just something they won't have any contact with for the next four to eight to 12 years or the rest of their life, just because they don't see traditionally where that is a piece of what they do. So we had a student several years ago um, who um, had been, a, I think, a poetry minor mm. and a you know, genetics major or something like that. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the typical <laughs> mixture of someone who says, I just can't give up that part of my my brain yet. So they they did that and, and ended up being part of our uh, editorial team for the Oscult, which is our literary magazine. Um, this is in the pre-MedMoth days. Uh, did her residency here at MCW and fellowship, and now is on the faculty at, at University of Iowa, where she has gotten a master's in fine arts uh, as part of the Iowa, Iowa Writers Workshop. And I, I, you know, I, I'd have to ask her if it's a direct result, but I'm guessing the fact that we had something to kind of keep that spark alive mm -hmm. uh, that allowed her to to see that narrative is critical, even in, in medicine, would take someone who is now a subspecialist pediatric endocrinologist on the faculty at a major Midwestern university and continue to do this work in, in, uh, in narrative. So, um, right. yeah, no, it's, I think if nothing out there, there's some people that this seems like such a strange concept that we would even try to do this. Um, but I think there are a lot of people out there and those are the ones I guess we'd be seeking out are the ones who have had this sort of little spark at some point in their life that had that, amazing creative writing teacher in high school they never you know forgot how how good it feels to to write something like that uh, but they don't have an outlet for it so by providing a way that they can exercise those those muscles once in a while and remember that they still can do that i think that's that that's a real opportunity here and that's what we hope to do well on that very positive note um, we are going to end here Thank you very much, Dr. Campbell, for coming out today and speaking with me, but more so for your uh, support for this program and all that you have done over the years to make uh, to bring the program where it is to be. To be honest, thank you. So thank it, you very it, much. Much, much, much fun all along, and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it.